Hey y'all, this is another episode of the Triple Option Report, and uh, today, uh, this has happened. Out of nowhere, was not prepared for this. Uh, not all the full information is out, but obviously, the big news just happened in sports, in regards to golf. Uh, Live and, and PGA, Live Golf and PGA Tour will merge into a, a, an all-new giant golf company organization i guess that is rather surreal and pretty unfortunate in regards to how much influence and money will be in sports in the future which if you've seen my earlier episodes you would know i'm not a big fan of there was too much and yeah this is this is probably not good for the future of sports if money can control this this if, if money can have this big of an impact. Okay, so like a, a quick history lesson of a Live Golf Tour. Uh, it started out, its origins go back to 2019. There was a new golf tour called, I guess they wanted to make a new golf tour to, to rival the PGA Tour called the Premier Golf League. Uh, its origins, Greg Norman, pretty much a, a former great, all-time great, golfer who is notorious for not exactly coming on the biggest of occasions being somewhat of a show artist as people would say back in the 80s Australian he turned to an entrepreneur and pretty much tried to make his own rival uh golf tour to PJ tour all the way back in 2019 it uh it wasn't exactly hitting it at first until he started getting some talks and, and some and, and some help from Saudi investors. And then eventually, it uh, turned to Live Golf around 2021. With him officially named as the CEO. Obviously, you know about the, the, the impact that the massive amounts of money that uh, the Saudi investment fund has in sports. Look at soccer. Uh, teams that were pretty much, not like I say nobodies, but historically weren't exactly elites ever, like uh, PSG and Man City. Clubs like that were like other clubs, not exactly in, influenced by Saudi, but just in general by big corporations like RB Leipzig. Out of nowhere, just exploded into uh, becoming top in consistent every year European clubs. Look at Newcastle United. A club that hadn't been really relevant like that since the 90s. All of a sudden, they're in the, they're in the Champions League next year. And, and looking at how good that team is, and how much money's invested into it, they don't look like that. That doesn't look like it's going to be a fluke. So, yeah, like, overall, Saudi Arabia... It's a lot of money getting involved. And, and, and the amount of money is enough that it can become a long-lasting thing. Like, it's going to attract a lot of players, attract a lot of athletes, because people in general are attracting money. And overall, are they thinking about the moral like, problems with it? No, because in the back of their heads, they're probably thinking, well, everyone's doing bad, so screw it. I want money. Or they might not even know about these, these wrongs that are being done. They probably don't even care. 
Or, yeah, like I said, they don't even know. Haven't even heard of it before. A lot of these guys are world-class athletes who focus almost their entire lives to be the best at what they do. So, probably not going to be that involved in a lot of social economic problems or, or political problems or anything happening in the world. So, I'm not shocked that athletes would be lured in by that. Those are big contracts. I mean, look at Karim Benzema. That man's getting rumored to get, uh, what, an over $630 million contract? My goodness. He's already getting more money than, than countries. So, yeah, not surprised. Uh, it's not a good look for the PJ Tour, obviously. Uh, it's not a good look when you, when you focus your whole thing on, on it being a moral issue. And then you decide to give in the last second is a terrible look. Like uh, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, he stated earlier, it probably is an issue for players that shows to go and take that money. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant impl impl implications. And I would ask any player that has left or any player that would consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? Later on today, he says, we are pleased to move forward and step in with Liv and PIF's world-class investing experience. And I applaud PIF Governor, hope I'm not butchering this, Yasir Al-Wumian, I probably did butcher that, for his vision and collaborative and forward-thinking approach that is not just a solution to the rift in our game, but also a commitment to taking it to, a new, to new heights. This will engender a new era in golf, I mean, global golf for the better. So he just went from saying like, oh, this is, somewhat of a moral problem and you never have to apologize for the PJ tour we have to apologize for being on a live golf tour to something as insanely generic as that you know he's like oh this is morally wrong I think it's a big enough check he's like never mind personally I do think it's morally wrong and Saudi Arabia is having a big issue with me with sports washing committing human rights violations uh getting involved in in the Yemeni civil war, civil war, stuff like that. Now, could you say in rebuttal, a lot of countries do sports washing? Unfortunately, yes. And I mean, a, and a lot of countries have done awful things and we just kind of ignore it because we live there. Yeah. Doesn't deny that it's a bad thing. Still not good. Like this is, that doesn't deny this is not good. Like what they're doing now is, but that's, that's the whole problem. That's, that's part of the whole problem, this entire, the whole world is, is a big problem, honestly. Like, like, we talk about Saudi Arabia, but the U.S., after what they did to, to Jamal Kasaki, like, we did nothing. Like, we, we don't, out of all the countries in the Middle East, we go and, and, and attack certain ones that are innocent. What we don't tell others who might be affecting our climate or whatnot or or or, or yet yeah, like look at russia after the invasion of ukraine right germany didn't and a lot of european countries at first were very timid at attacking them because they get a lot of their gas and oil and other stuff from russia but they'll go and 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 hand and finger wag at other countries that don't have those same types of influence economically on their country 
Same thing with Saudi Arabia and the U.S. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's just money. A lot of it's money. They don't actually care about morals or ethics. It, it's just, yeah. They want a piece of the pie or they're afraid that there's competition that could affect their seat at the top of the food chain. That's really all it is, honestly, with a lot of this stuff. It's a shame, but yeah, like, yeah, like PGA Tour for years didn't care about black people, didn't, like, like they're not morally superior at all, really, to a lot of things. Like, like the, the history of racism is rampant in PGA Tour, but, you know, it, it, hey, it's morally wrong for Saudi Arabia, which it still is, but I'm just saying, like, it, it, it just comes off as full of crap. Honestly, a lot of it. it, it it's sad. Uh, not surprised. Now, could this uh, affect investor sports? Like, yeah. I, I, I'm somewhat worried. Like, I already talked about soccer. We already talked about how they strive for years to make a Super League. L- look at how their countries, I mean, teams that pop up out of nowhere, whose history is not that good, and out of nowhere becomes elite, Man City... Look at the amount of domestic success they've had. They could win the Champions League now. They they they've gone past the hurdle domestically. That was Liverpool. They've gone past the the the, the supreme being in terms of soccer historically in Real Madrid. Went through them like a, like a hot knife through butter. Like that's yeah. What Inter Milan's gonna stop them? Like it, they could, but still. If Man City wins the one hurdle they ha- they had to, the one heel they've had to jump over, which is a, a Champions League, what's next? Well, they get a Champions League dynasty, a club with a history that's nowhere near that, about equivalent to probably like Wolverhampton Wanderers or something, like before, like ten, ten years ago. Out of nowhere, did a, a, a potential history on par with FC Barcelona or Ajax, like. That's kind of scary. Paris, PSG, what if they eventually win a, a Champions League? And they can make a dynasty. Not just that. Look at, uh, what if an, an NBA or a basketball league starts out as funded by the Saudis there? The amount of money? Do you not think that one of these star players is thinking about jumping over there? And, yeah. At the same time, like, morally, though, can the NBA be like, oh, man, that's bad. Or or any, like, at, but at the same time, the situation with Hong Kong, like, you know, I, yeah, it's, what can you even do in there? You can't, like, say, like, oh, it's bad what you're doing. But at the same time, you're funded or are fund, or, 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 or associate yourselves with other countries that are doing awful things. Like, what, you know, what, where can they, <laughs> Where can they they stand on? What can they stand on? I Yeah, they I don't know if they can stand on anything. And the resources and money that that the that, that the Saudi Arabian leagues would have is at least equal. It's not the only one either. It's not even supposed to not even based in Saudi. Look at Texas AM. I forget which country they were associated with that almost got like a them in show with the NCAA. But there's connections to oil money with, in regards to that. They have a lot of money off of their oil in Texas. This gets an NCAA's. How, like, what if NIL and, and money in general gets out of control? Like, 
and A&M eventually gets over the hump and stops choking. The amount of money and resources they can get from oil where they're at, they could turn to freaking Alabama. Like, money in sports, yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's... Money's always been involved in sports to a certain degree. Well, not always, but, like, for years now. But it's accelerated the last 15 or so years. Like, it's really accelerated. I talked about it earlier in past episodes about how TV contracts are becoming one of the main reasons why conference realignment's happening and why it's negatively affecting college football. Yeah, it is money. Like, the Pac-12 could cease to exist soon because of money, TV contracts. All that history, tradition, potentially dead because of TV contracts. Like, money is turning to king for sports. And it's unfortunate, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's inevitable, but it kind of is inevitable, unless something drastically changes. It's, uh, it's not a good look. It's looking very grim. That's all I'll say about that. And, uh, well, continuing with sports, with more innocent things, uh, the NBA Finals. You remember that? Still going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, some news has come out recently that's made people talk about it less, but it's still a thing, and it was very entertaining. Pretty shocking. Uh, I didn't see that happening. I thought... The, the, the Nuggets were just going to steamroll them again. And it, would, it was looking like that at halftime. It was looking at that heading to the fourth quarter. But but one thing I'll say, one thing I did say is that the Heat could get one or two, even two wins in here, push it even to six, if the Nuggets players stop playing at that level. And I don't mean Jokic, I mean the supporting cast. And that's what happened. Jamal Murray was off until the fourth quarter, but for the majority of the, of the, of the game, he was cold. Uh, especially the third quarter. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, KCP, it looked like they weren't even in the game. That's how bad it was. KCP had a really bad game. Like It looked like he wasn't even playing good defense out there, which is shocking. He was late to his assignments, caused a lot of fouls. It was not a good look. And I'm going to say something, too. Mike Malone's coaching was questionable. That was the worst I've ever seen him in a game. He's one of the best I've always thought for years now in the NBA. But uh, I didn't like a lot of his lineups. I didn't like how he kept lineups going when leads were shrinking multiple times in the game, both in the second quarter and the third quarter and the fourth. I, I didn't, yeah, there was, there, there was some really questionable lineups. I didn't like how Jamal Murray, when a team was struggling in the fourth quarter of the Nuggets, and, and, and the Heat were coming back, I didn't like how he just didn't bring Jamal Murray back in earlier. I get you don't, you want to keep to your lineup and everything, you don't want to get players to get tired, but if Jogic can play all game, Jamal Murray can play dang near all game too. I didn't like how he waited until about four to five minutes to go in the fourth quarter to bring back in Murray. Probably should have brought him in earlier since he finally got hot again when he did come back in. But at that point, I mean, they were down double figures almost. And one more thing that, that they, 
the Heat did what Steve Kerr talked about. It was smart, what the Warriors did. Do the same thing with Jokic that teams just do with LeBron with the Cavs. Let him go off, but don't let the team go off. You let Jokic have a 40-plus point game with, what, single-digit assists? If I'm correct, let me look it up. How many, how many assists or lack thereof did he have? Yeah, Jokic had four assists. 41 points and only four assists. He almost had as many fouls as assists. He had almost three times as many rebounds as assists. That's not ideal. Jokic, your main distributor, shouldn't only have four assists in the whole game. So, yeah, the Heat did their job. They, they let Jokic go off, but they said, uh, we're not going to let the rest of that team go off. Pretty much how teams used to go with, with LeBron. As long as LeBron doesn't have 10-plus assists, everything is fine. Yeah. As for the Heat, excellent coaching. Uh, he coached circles around Malone today, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, that Eric Spolcher was, again, showed why he's one of the best coaches of our generation, honestly, when it comes to the NBA. He's honestly up there as one of the greatest coaches in NBA history to me. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. He's been getting teams to the finals and then deep in play, deep playoff runs that on paper, it makes literally no sense. While at the same time, he has two titles with, with the Heatles. So yeah, like, he has almost a dynasty. So yeah, he had... Spoltra is an all-time coach, and he showed it on Sunday night. Uh, and like I said, the key to that Heat offense running is that those guards, probably the, more important than Jimmy Butler, the most important players in that Heat's team for their offense to go off, Gabe Vincent, Max Schuess, and Duncan Robinson III. If any of those three guys, Caleb Martin too. You give majority of those guys, or even half of them to go off, you're good. If they're cold, the offense doesn't move around. It, it, it slows down. It gets a little cluttered. And defensive players don't have to focus on a three-point shooters like that. And, and so the offense just shuts down completely. And if, if those players are hot, then defensive, the defense has to focus on the shooters. Uh, be over-aggressive. Double-team. Leave people open. It opens up the offense entirely. The offense moves way better because a lot of those guys do great off-ball. Movement-wise, getting open, it's, it's a completely different offense if they're hot. And that's what happened. Like, uh, uh, Max Schuess, who was <laughs> almost historically bad in Game 1, he was almost historically good in, in the first quarter in Game 2. Uh, after that, at the, at the first quarter, the second quarter, and the uh, third quarter, Gabe Vincent went off. Had, what, 23 points? Almost entirely in those two quarters. And then the fourth quarter... Duncan Robinson III goes off, has 10 points. Like, the team just, it was like a night and day when, those, when the offensive players are shooting like that. And that's what makes it kind of scary. Even with how I said, like, it reminded me of the, the Lakers and Heat, the reason why the Heat won two of those games in that series, too, was, well, one, Jimmy Butler went off. But also because the shooters, they shot. Whenever they played good, whenever they won, it was because... People like Duncan Robson III went off. Like, that, that's that's how his Heat teams thrive these last few years. So, yeah, it, it depends on how good those guys play for their offense to perform well enough. And they did. And in Game 3, it's going back to Miami now. 
who knows how soon Tyler Hero can return. If he can fit and and not mess with the chemistry of that team, and they play like they did in game two, you got ourselves a series. Honestly, I thought like at best it could go uh, it could go six games for Denver, so I'm gonna stick with that. But also, it also depends on how well those players play for Denver. The supporting cast for Denver and, and Jamal Murray were not good. Have to play better and have to start out way more aggressive than they did in Game Two. So, uh, yeah, the Heat are different. They're a tough team to beat. They're not on paper. They on paper is cliche to say, but yeah, they're not what they should be. But I don't know. You know, they even some like a Duncan Robinson the third people were shocked, like, oh man, he can score in the paint. I remember his senior his last year in Michigan, he kinda got much better on defense. And he was able to even get a little bit of a of a they could even score in the paint a little. Mainly because people didn't see it coming and, and spots were open for that. But I'm just saying like he would actually take advantage of that. So seeing him be able to pull that off with the heat this playoff series is and just the playoffs in general, <laughs> it's kind of funny as a Michigan fan. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, the Heat, they're, they're a tricky team, and this is not a, this series is not a, a given, honestly. It's 1-1. The Nuggets lost a home game for the first time in all playoffs. The Heat obviously have a terrible record for a championship team home-wise in the playoffs, and historically speaking, this year, but... Who knows? If the Heat could push us a 2-2 going into Game 5, we could have a 7-game series. Who knows? Like, it, like, it's different. So, yeah, the Nuggets, they can't go easy. They can't take their foot off the pedal. They got to play with the same aggression they played against the Lakers, against the Suns in Game 1. Or the, this could go complete left field. But for now, I'll say that the Heat win in probably 6 I think they could probably get another win in there somewhere. But uh, I still say, I mean, not the Heat. The Nuggets win in six. He could probably sneak in another win in there. But, yeah, that's uh, that's my prediction for the Heat. That's my prediction for the finals. It's my analysis of the finals so far. Oh, and also, they probably shouldn't play Cody Zeller anymore. That is not working. And, <laughs> yeah, I think that the Heat found their, their style small ball in a way and just hope that the players stay hot shooting threes because uh, the Zeller experiment's not going to work. And Kevin Love, how I forget, Kevin Love was very important. He's much bigger than who was guarding against Aaron Gordon before and he can shoot threes too, which he did. So, uh, yeah, 10 rebounds from Kevin Love. Yeah. That, that, that'll do it. Out-rebounded everyone for the Nuggets outside of Jokic by only one. 11 to 10. Yeah. Ke- Kevin Love was a key factor to why they won that game, too. So, you kind of forget, like, Kevin Love, like, yeah, it turned to, like, a three-point shooting big man. But, guy in, in the past, the Timberwolves was known for being able to just rebound like crazy. And his in his his passes, yeah. Very important and, and very good adjustments. And and now it's up to uh what adjustments are Nuggets gonna do for game three. It's gonna be like a chess match. So yeah, this series is entertaining and I I get it, there's a lot of stuff going on outside of that. I can make it not irrelevant, but 
not as talked about as much, but yeah, still watch it. It's very entertaining. It was a great game. Hey, yeah, this series looks like it's going to be very entertaining. So yeah, it's not going to be boring. Uh, just stop because there's no narratives where the heck that stupid stuff is. Let's, let's not do narrative crap. It, it's annoying. It's an entertaining series to watch. If you're a sports fan, if you're just a genuine sports fan, it's entertaining to watch. So yeah, keep watching it. And as for other sports news, uh, sticking with the NBA, the Mavericks thing with Kyrie Irving and, and, and wanting to get LeBron and to, to join the Mavericks, I don't see that happening. I think LeBron's staying with the Lakers. They have a bright future. They still have a young team that's built well for LeBron and AD. I don't know why they wouldn't want to keep that going. Especially for, especially for a big risk like going to the Mavericks who have no death, no defense, not a good coaching situation. Yeah, no, I don't see why that would make any sense for LeBron to do. So yeah, I I, I think, just my personal opinion, I think he stays with Lakers. I think this is, this is kind of a nothing burger. Uh, And now the Stanley Cup. One last thing for the Stanley Cup. Uh, Yeah. I thought I was wrong. I'm feeling completely wrong here. Uh, the Panthers are not a team of destiny. At least not how they're playing right now. You know, I, I didn't think it would get worse than game one. It got worse. 72. It got worse. It got much worse. Uh, the Golden Knights, yeah, Vegas. Game three is do or die for, for Florida. If they can't win that game, they have to win it. Not just stay competitive. They have to win. I know that hockey's wonky. And it, it gets crazy some, a lot. Teams can come back from down 3 nothing like it's nothing. 3-1 like it's nothing. Way more than other sports. I, I've seen it regularly happen. But, like, no. Not getting smashed two games in a row. Like, if they get smashed again, if they lose again, this series is over. Like, it's been complete and utter domination by the, by the Vegas. So... A new team, Vegas Golden Knights. I believe they won a Stanley Cup before in recent years. Right? Or did they just make it to the playoffs? Let me see. Okay, just looked it up. Uh, yeah, the Knights, ha- do- they don't have a Stanley Cup yet. But they made they made it to the finals their first year. Which is crazy. So the history, the young history they have is, lo- is looking great. And so if they win here, I mean, it wouldn't be shocking really. Looking at how consistently good this team has been, so it's do or die for Florida. It's looking very die for Florida right now, but it's do or die. Okay, moving on from sports. Uh, I've watched a lot of TV. Talk about how much I love a lot of television shows. How one show in particular I've always been a fan of for years, HBO. Had two all-time great shows. Just end. Recently, Succession and Barry, and in both, phenomenal. I think they're two some of the greatest shows ever made. Barry's finale, Barry's host final season has been insane. The twists, it, it's a lot. It's amazing, honestly. It's phenomenal television. Some of the best I've ever seen. Succession, host, the whole show has been amazing. Like, and, and, yeah, I'm not one of those people who gets, like, emotionally invested in people who are supposed to be bad people. So I don't feel awful or sad about the end results. I just feel like, huh, I just get entertained. Because I it's like Bojack. Like 
he's not a good person. So I'm not going to be like, if, if he has a downfall, so it's like, uh, I'm not going to be like, oh, man. I'm like, I, I want to see how the story ends. Because it's actually a very good story. It's very well written. It's entertaining. It, it has twists and turns and everything. So, to me, most Succession and Barry in general just well written shows. Phenomenal shows. It's one of the best I've ever seen, like I said before. So, to go from that to the new show was rather jarring. Uh, the Idol, you know, it got a lot of flack. A lot of people weren't going to watch it because of just the back story of it all and just how we shouldn't give money or, or views to this show. And yeah, we shouldn't. I watched it just because, you know, I thought I might as well review a little. But from what I saw, it wasn't very good. It was, it, I mean, the reviews made it seem like it was the most vile thing ever made. It didn't come off like that. I mean, it had questionable, sketchy things in it that aren't, <laughs> they're not in good taste, but actually really bad taste. But at the same time, it just came off boring. The, the, the dialogue wasn't good. The times felt wooden. It, it led to negatively affecting the acting. It, it was just a boring show, honestly. It wasn't... It, and, and yeah, the weekend as an actor, it's uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, n- no, I'm not feeling it. it. It stinks. It's also just like I said, it's, it's boring. It's not. It's not even like shocking or jarring. Like like. Okay, uh, Euphoria, is that really a good show? S- the second season, especially, not really. No, but it has a lot of scenes and moments that are just so insane. And just so wacky that you can't keep your eyeballs off. The idol doesn't have that like that. It's just, it's just kind of boring. That's not good. I maybe there was a message in there about how like toxic Hollywood can be and whatnot, but how it was executed was not good, very bad. So yeah, that's uh, I don't advise watching. That is not worth it. It's not a lot of shocking moments in it either. Like that, it's just. Let's ignore it. Which is probably a good thing, because, like you said, you shouldn't be putting your eyeballs and giving views to, to a show like that. Especially the backstory of it all and how it's, how it's made. Yeah, probably a good thing. Alright, and last thing I'll talk about, again, I woke up at 5 in the morning, just in time, for Forbidden Door 2. The announcement was official. We were having... Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay 2 and and Okada versus Brian Danielson on the same show. That when I say that these last when I said last episode that this is a golden age or somewhat of uh, pro wrestling, this is what I mean. You're not seeing this in any other era of pro wrestling. This would be like if uh Shawn Michaels in like Kenta Kobashi wrestled in like the mid 90s. Like, not even possible. This is. We are watching history in the making, pretty much. This summer is going to be so entertaining in pro wrestling. That's all I'm going to say. So, uh. Yeah. I'm hyped for that. Uh, I, 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 there's still other great shows on, on television. So, you know, The Idol being terrible, which was expected, is not really going to affect me like that. I'm still hyped about other stuff, including pro wrestling. As bad as Live Golf is, 
still hyped about sports overall. So I'm still good. I'm still happy. I, I can still escape to fun things like sports and, and comic books and, and culture as this show is. So, uh, yeah, that's about it for this episode. Uh, a lot longer than usual. I'll probably be having longer episodes because I'm getting used to this whole podcast thing. And I'm getting a lot, it's, it's getting a lot easier for me. Expect longer episodes now, probably, most likely. Unless I tell you ahead of time that it's not long. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for today, y'all. See y'all.